0: Pole Hog Sports presents the Basketball Podcast of Mid-America, the premier Arkansas hoops podcast brought to you by Landers Toyota of Northwest Arkansas. Here's your host, Pole Hog Sports basketball analyst Scotty Bordelon.
1: Welcome in to the Basketball Podcast of Mid-America. It is Friday, January 26th, and Arkansas basketball is a couple games in the SEC play. We appreciate you listening in as we try to get back into the groove of doing this podcast you know, on a, a weekly basis we've been a little bit hit and miss you know recording the the show i guess since you know arkansas went on that what they played four games since i guess the game against missouri on wednesday was arkansas's fifth game since december 10th so it's been kind of a lot of uh, stop and go in terms of the schedule been a really weird stretch of the schedule but really excited as always to have andrew joseph of whole hog sports and bob holt of the arkansas democrat gazette joining me hope you get caught up and learned up on on what's been happening with the razorbacks and arkansas like i said they're two games in the league play they're one and one going into this weekend's game at auburn uh, just kind of recapping the last week or so arkansas lost at lsu to open sec play 60 to 57 had a shot to win it late um just Game turned into a rock fight, and you know I always tend to think that, that rock fights, you know, favored home teams. Um, and then they turned around on Wednesday and beat beat Missouri 74-68. Um, pretty entertaining game as a whole, but the the first half for Arkansas, I thought it maybe should have come with a TVMA rating in terms of in terms of what their offense looked like. It was it was pretty ugly. So I, I guess we can start there. Arkansas comes back from 17 down in the first half against a pretty good Missouri team. I think Missouri's exceeded a lot of expectations in their first year with Dennis Gates. Um, really revamped roster, got some actually got some dudes on their team now to go around. Kobe Brown is a pretty solid player. Um, I guess just I'll start there. Just what, what were you impressions of Arkansas's comeback when? I think it was Arkansas's biggest comeback since maybe two January's ago when they came back from 19 down against Auburn.
2: Well, yeah. I thought it was a really good win. I mean, you're down, like you said, that first half was ugly with turnovers and a lot of missed shots. They really struggled from the perimeter against Missouri zone. Couldn't, couldn't get their running game going. Um, but to me, yeah, if you're down 17 to, yeah, I agree a pretty good Missouri team that had beaten Illinois soundly in St. Louis and beaten Kentucky soundly in Columbia and came in with a lot of confidence and, like you said, I think they've added eight or nine transfers. I mean, Dennis Gates is he's he's bringing more more transfers than Eric has, and uh so yeah, I thought it was a good win. Obviously, Joseph Pinion came off the bench and gave him a nice spark. Ricky Council, who first half struggles mirrored Arkansas's, uh, had a really good second half when Eric didn't start him. You know, he, I thought he responded really well to that. So I thought it, I thought it was a really good win for Arkansas. And Missouri kept coming back at him. and didn't like once. Arkansas got the lead, Missouri collapsed, Missouri kept coming back at them, so I think that speaks well for Missouri, but also, you know, Arkansas was able to make plays to hold them off.
3: Yeah, there was a a point, probably when they were down 17 in that first half, where I thought Arkansas might get run out of the gym, and it just might not be their night, and it's going to be an ugly game in front of the home crowd. Uh, but but to their credit they did stick it out and I think the introduction of Joseph Pinion really changed some things for an Arkansas team that was struggling to stretch the Missouri zone defense and a team that was struggling to shoot Uh, they were just two of 12 from a three-point line in the first half five of 10 from the free throw line Uh, and Ricky Council was minus 18 which was kind of the big shocker for me that was definitely the big shocker for me and I think it was a big shocker to must too because he started him on the
1: bench in the second half which paid dividends. Yeah, let's get into Joseph Pinion a little bit. We saw we've seen him the most I guess in Arkansas's last two home games. So he played what 19 minutes against UNC Asheville. I think he had 10 points, hit a couple threes in that game. He had three assists also against Asheville which was I thought was maybe more impressive than than the perimeter shooting. You got to see a little bit of the playmaking or the the shot creation from him, even though he's, you know, you look at him and you just think about, um you know, just perimeter shot making. um But I think, you know, he was, anytime that Joseph is on the floor, like, I think teams are going to hunt him. Like, I just think that's the, that's the obvious, the obvious place to go, you know, when Arkansas is defending, but, I thought he did a good enough job holding his own. I think he forced a couple of missed shots. I still haven't gone back and done the shots defended for each Arkansas player. I haven't done that in a while. But I'm wanting to do that for both of the SEC games to this point. So I thought he was okay there. Like, he gave up, I think, a couple of buckets too. But um, And then he came up with a steal in the, in the second half that, you know, when Ricky Council finally got checked back into the game – you know, Pinion was on the on the floor. Came up with a steal, loose ball. Found, I think it was Anthony Black. And then AB hit Ricky for a dunk, and that kind of got things going in the second half. Uh, so he did. He you know he made a, an impact. I feel like on on both ends of the floor. Maybe what what stood out to to y'all about just, I guess the the way that he kind of changed the complexion of the game.
2: Well, yeah, I thought well, one good play. Of course, Arkansas pounded Missouri on the boards, beat him. I think it was forty twenty three. Had fifteen offensive boards, including one by Pinion. And a putback, and you don't really think of him as a guy that's going to go in there and mix it up. At least I don't. But he got in there and got an offensive rebound. And he's six five. He's he he's not a you know like a five ten little little guard. He's six five, pretty you know well put together guy, and so he can get in there and do some other things. Obviously, his three point shoot is what stands up But like you say, yeah, that steal. He he was literally on the floor, and Missouri guys were harassing him. And he got the ball to uh to, like you said to a b who got the ball to, to council that kind of got ricky going i think that was right after he came in because i was looking it up yesterday he came in like at 1502 and i think within eight seconds was that done yeah, so, eight seconds later yeah. yeah so he got in and got going and and um the yeah, opinion he's definitely going to start showing up on scouting reports uh i think because um the number one thing he did was like I say he he hit some shots over that zone he had three out of six uh threes and the rest of the team was really struggling with that and um yeah he's definitely you know earned more minutes I don't think there's any doubt about that
3: yeah I think the, the extended action that he got on the court really helped him I think because when he had been in the in previous games it was limited action and it was when maybe Arkansas was in a scoring drought and so they sub on just opinion but it was almost like when the football team would bring on Malik Hornsby like you knew they were going to run a play for him because they needed his contribution or whatever and so it kind of felt like defenses could really key in on Joseph Pinion whenever he came in for just that that little stretch for an offensive boost and then they'd take him out but having him on the court for i think he played he played 27 minutes i mean there was they weren't able to just solely focus on him and run him off the three point line and they had to play defense on other guys which i think allowed uh, Joseph Pinion to get more open looks and he missed his first two uh but he finished four, made four of his last five and i think his, you saw his confidence grow as he stayed on the
1: floor Yeah, I'd agree with that. I made a joke. Maybe it was to Tom who's sitting to my right during the game when Joseph made his third three. I said the only thing that's got more bounce than Joseph Pinion's step is his hair when he's running (laughs) down the court. Um, One of the other things I really liked, I thought it was kind of funny, too, was Bob mentioned the putback that Joseph had off the Ricky council airballed three. And, you know, he he gets possession of the ball. He goes up with his left, hand. finished with his left hand. I think if he would have gone up with his right, he would probably would have got it pinned to the glass. But after he made the layup, he like pointed at Ricky Council, like, like, hey, man, they were, like good, good pass. Like, it was good job <laughs> finding me. But he was so serious about it. That was, that was really, I thought that was kind of funny. But that was good work from Joseph, just kind of sneaking in on the weak side for an offensive board. Um, Missouri's really struggled this year. Given up offensive rebounds I think me and I showed Bob the statistic on Ken Palm I think there's only six teams in the country as of late Wednesday night that had you know given up a or that had given up a, a higher offensive rebound percentage than Missouri so Arkansas did a good, really good job of, of taking advantage of that what something else I liked about Joseph was just dude runs the floor so hard and anytime Arkansas got out and ran the other night and it's kind of a byproduct of he said, "What Arkansas teaches when they do transition drills in practice is that he's taught to, you know, not not only find the corner, but Eric called it the extreme corner, and he does a really good job of filling lanes. And you know, when Arkansas is on the run, kind of those broken floor situations, and that really leads to to some opportunities from him. And uh, I think two of his three threes the other night, you know, came in that that corner or extreme corner spots."
2: Yeah. And Eric talked about that flattened out the zone the Missouri was playing a lot of guys, you know, in the front and that left them a little more vulnerable to those corner shots. You know, there's not a lot of room up there. How many times you see guys step out of bounds, you know, cause there's so little room behind that three point line and the, and the sideline, but yeah. And, you know, Scotty, I think you asked him about it. Maybe ask Derek or Joseph both just, you know, I think that's maybe an underrated, uh, you know, skill or something to learn is how, how to fill the lane the right way and be in the right spot, you know, duplicate what you do in practice. So your teammates kind of know, look, okay, the Joseph's going to be here as a, as a, as a, you know, as, as we're breaking down. Um, and really that's what got Arkansas going. They 47 points the second half that they got their running game going so much of that first half. They were just, having to try to score against that set Missouri packed in zone and they were they were really struggling, you know, passing the ball around the perimeter really weren't getting getting much penetration. And but but they finally got that running game going in the second half. Has
1: anything else stood out to you guys from the first couple of games and in, in league play? For me, I don't know if it's so much specifically about Arkansas, but they've given up fifty-seven and sixty-eight points. Defensively in their first two games, and I looked at Ken Palm and they're number six in the conference in league games in defensive efficiency. I just think there's so many teams in the league right now that can really defend, and I think Arkansas is one of them. You know, just given the the guards' ability to to be disruptive, kind of at all three levels of the of the floor, and then Makai Mitchell's toughness and shot blocking has been has been pretty impressive. How about that? I got some trivia for you guys. Okay, so. According to Ken Palm, who in the SEC is number one in conference games only in defensive efficiency, and then who is last? Who? What
2: are the two teams that you think
1: are first and last right now?
2: Oh, I'll go. I'll I'll say Kentucky's last (laughs) and Georgia's first. I was because that makes no sense. (laughs) Andrew, who you got?
3: I'll go LSU first and.
1: I'll go Mizzou last. So this really caught me maybe a little bit by surprise, but Alabama is number one. They've played both of the Mississippi schools. So, I mean, their numbers are probably going to change a little bit. I don't think that – I don't think that that facing the Mississippi schools at this point is, you know, the toughest test. I remember Mississippi State got down 16-0 to Tennessee the other day, and Tennessee is a team that can really defend too, so I don't know how much you make of that. But Bob was on the money. Kentucky is dead last in defensive efficiency right now. They're giving up 120 over 125 points per 100 possessions, which is is kind of kind of yeah, it's pretty ugly. It's it's stunning, but um, you know they've played two I think pretty decent offensive teams. Like Missouri was I think top five in the country in offensive efficiency when they played um, when they played Kentucky, and they they put up they scored pretty easily against Kentucky, and then they played uh lsu at home the other night that one that one turned into a really good game but that's just kind of a a look at you know the defensive landscape in the league i think there's eric mentioned it not too long ago there's just a there's probably half of the league is just you know it's going to be really tough to score on on those teams and then the bottom half you know there's going to be some nights where they're just you know really locked in to whatever their game plan is The Basketball Podcast of Mid-America is sponsored by Landers Toyota of Northwest Arkansas. Visit their showroom at 411 South Metro Parkway in Rogers or online at LandersToyotaNWA.com. One of these days, y'all, I'm going to make my way up there and get me a Tacoma. Um, I don't know when that's going to be, but yeah, check out LandersToyotaNWA.com or or go up to Rogers and, and visit their showroom.
0: For all your automotive needs, shop Landers Toyota NWA in Rogers, where we guarantee you the best buying experience and best service after the sale in Arkansas. Landers Toyota
3: NWA in Rogers. WholeHogSports.com has the largest, most experienced staff of reporters covering sports in Arkansas. Football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. You'll find it at
0: WholeHogSports.com. The website includes up-to-minute news, daily commentaries, and award-winning
3: photography from the staffs of Hogs Illustrated and the Democrat Gazette. For subscriptions, call 1-800-757-6277. That's 1-800-757-6277. Or visit us online today. WholeHogSports.com.
0: Want more coverage of your home team? Download the Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Check out the Fan Zone and get up-to-the-minute videos, podcasts, and features on football, basketball, baseball, recruiting, and more. Search for Whole Hog Sports on Apple TV, Roku, and Amazon Fire at home and take it with you on the go by downloading it for your mobile device in your app store. The Whole Hog Sports Video On Demand app. Get it today.
1: I'm not sure how long we've been recording, to be honest, but before we get in any further into this thing, I think we need to mention the latest of what's what's going on with with Nick Smith. We found out before tip off on Wednesday that he was seeing a specialist for his knee, and you know he wouldn't be in the building for the Missouri game. And that got a lot of people talking, thinking, um, speculating a little bit. And then right before tip off, I learned that he was in LA with his marketing team, seeing a specialist, which maybe it's just me, but that feels a little bit different than, you know, he's just seeing a specialist and Eric on Thursday in his zoom, um, you know, Bob asked for an update on, on Nick, you know, in his zoom previewing the Auburn game this weekend and Eric expects Nick to miss the rest of January, um, and to, I, I don't know that I'm I'm not probably going out on much of a limb here, I don't think. But the likelihood that he comes back at all went down, you know, given that he's going to miss the first full month of of conference play. Just what's y'all's feel about this situation? Because I think that Nick wants to play. He's also got a future to to you know keep in mind, and you know he's you know still projected you know top five, top ten pick. In next year's or I guess this year's draft now it's 2023 isn't it, but it just it's kind of a, a an interesting situation. Just I'm curious to to get y'all's y'all's sense or y'all's feel for this.
2: Well, yeah, it, it's a bit of a dilemma. I, I don't doubt you know he's an Arkansas kid. I don't doubt that he wants to play for the Razorbacks. I remember after, uh, you know the first game he really got to play a lot. I think that was San Jose State. He had 16, and he talked about how he he's been waiting to do this and anxious to do this. And, um, you know, as, as much as it's great to be a high NBA draft pick and make millions of dollars, I think there's still kids wanting to play in March madness. I mean, they grow up seeing the NCAA tournament and, you know, if you have a chance to play in the NCAA tournament, maybe help your team make a big run, get, get to a final four, you know, I mean, that that's pretty exciting. And I don't know what kid wouldn't want to do that, especially if a guy's playing for his home state university but then you you pit that against um are how healthy are you? Um could you jeopardize, you know, your NBA draft stock by could you you know, could you aggravate the injury and or maybe you're not playing well and that affects how teams look at you? And I mean I don't think there's any doubt Nick Smith's gonna be a high draft pick no matter what happens. I mean the right the the, the earth could fall off its axis and he's still gonna be a high <laughs> draft pick, but you know, there's a difference between being the fifth, you know, third, fourth, fifth pick, and the eighteenth, nineteenth pick. I mean, as great as that is, there yeah, no that's a lot of uh, that's yeah. a lot of money if you slip yeah. slip to that point. And, and I'm not saying he would slip to that point, but I think at some point you got to say, "What's the best thing for him?" And honestly, what's the best thing for the team? Because um, when he was able to come back, that was great. You're you're adding a, a, one of the best players in the country, and and he played really well you know they, they probably don't beat greensboro without him you know like eric pointed out that the night that the team was kind of off and Trevor brazil got hurt and all that and um but I, I don't think it does really does nick any good or uh, frankly the team any good if he's comes back plays a couple games has to take himself out at the end of games like he had to against oklahoma and bradley and then he's out for a couple more weeks i mean i think at some point you know, the team kind of needs to know where everything stands and really for for his own well-being, you know, mentally, physically, you know, Nick Nick Smith and his, you know, advisors and agent and family and all that, they probably have to make a decision for his best interest too.
3: Yeah, I just think Nick Smith's really in a tough spot. Uh, You know, unfortunately for Arkansas fans, uh, college basketball and college athletics in general is not the pinnacle of – sports for these these young athletes like they want to go on and play at the next level that's the goal and so if Nick Smith wants to be as successful as he can at the next level maybe uh, his best option is to not jeopardize a career ending injury or injury that slides him down the draft boards and I totally get that and that's a very understandable decision I think what the part that is maybe more annoying or or just kind of is the the egging it on and being so vague with the injury descriptions and kind of not giving a definitive statement. Just the the statement is that he's out indefinitely. Well no one knows how long indefinitely he's going to be. Uh and so I think if he's not going to play again then maybe he should just come out and say that and and kind of leave the team per se or just kind of put an end to the speculation.
1: Yeah it's a it's just a super I think it's just it's complicated. Like, as I don't think there's any doubt. Like I said earlier, that Nick wants to play. Like he came to Arkansas, but partly, you know, because he wants to play for his home state. And Arkansas basketball in the last few years has been trending in the right direction. You know, they've been, you know, they probably the last years since their first Elite Eight run, or probably before that. You know, they've been looking for pieces to help them get over that Elite Eight hump. And you know, there's really no greater piece than like a a guy who's projected to be a top five pick, you know, you add him to your roster, you feel like that could be the piece that that gets you over that hump because you got to have really, really elite, terrific guard play in in March to, you know, reach a final four, be in contention for a national championship. And Nick's that high level guy that you know when he's right, he can help you get to that point. And put your program on the map even further and help you get more guys like him to help you sustain that that level of success it's just pretty it's just pretty interesting to me to just you know kind of follow the timeline of this and I've you know maybe just to you guys I've said it before but if he's going to miss January I just don't know I don't I don't know that there's a bunch of reasons that you do come back and you don't just start, you know, getting prepped for, first you start, you keep rehabbing, you, you know, you try to get that knee as healthy as you can. And then, you know, prep for the the upcoming draft and just focus on that because I'm not sure that it's particularly worth it in my opinion to, to come back and, and, and press it just to try to win at like Mississippi state. You know what I mean? Like Nick's got his whole future ahead of him, so I don't know. Maybe I'm I'm off base on that, but um, I think Arkansas has 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 got enough talent to where they can compete, and you know, win a lot of games in the league. It's just they're going to have to figure out game by game how they're going to score, um, and it might be a different guy every night. I mean, that's a that's a big hole that that Nick is leaving because when he's when he's on, like. We saw it in back-to-back games. He's went for for twenty plus points. You know, so he's he's a big piece that they're missing. Um, all right, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do this again. I I'm gonna talk about Makai Mitchell, and I think in some in some respects, I think he's kind of become the Desi my my Desi Sills a little bit. Like, <laughs> and I'm like I think Makai is just like he's such a big piece of this team, man, and you look at his at, at LSU what he went for eight and 12 blocked three shots then the other night he I think he goes for seven or eight points and maybe five or six seven rebounds blocks a couple more shots and he, he did it in only 15 minutes which I thought was was more impressive in his defense on Kobe Brown Kobe Brown was coming off two back-to-back 30-point games and you would have thought that the Monstars kind of took his talent the other night. Like one of his buckets came against Jordan Walsh, and then Eric made a really good decision to put Makai on Kobe Brown for, you know, however long of a stretch. You know, Like I said, Makai only played 15 minutes. But he held Kobe Brown in check, I thought, pretty well. And you just look at the shot-blocking streak that he's on. He's got 18 blocks since Arkansas got back from Maui, and he had three. In the first six games of the season, I think his his development and his growth has been really good. And so I've got a couple questions. Can he maintain the shot blocking pace, and can he become a guy who maybe gets himself into that all SEC conversation and maybe the defensive player of the year conversation? I think that I think the back, the latter part of that is, you know, more predicated on the kind of su- success that Arkansas has as a team and, and defensively, but I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility given the way that he's been playing and you look at his look at him from a, a steals perspective too. I think he's right there.
2: Yeah, I think he's been better than anticipated. We've talked about this before, but, you know, he didn't do much over in Europe um, when they had their tour over there, but he's he's really come on since then. He's a huge piece Uh just his efficiency on offense and what he does on defense. And he, the reason he only played 15 minutes the other night against Missouri, he had two fouls in the first half. So he said a good bit of that. That's kind of a, a rule with Eric and a lot of coaches, guys get two fouls in the second half. They sit, mm-hmm. but he was very, very effective. I mean, you know, you spread out his, um, you know, statistics over say 30 minutes, you know, which he plays, you know, he, he can certainly do that um yeah he's a big piece and uh, it, uh, you don't see big guys get as many steals as he usually does but you know i think he's got good hands whether it's you know making steals or catching passes in the post and delivering and he he seems to be their their go-to guy he's always scoring early in the game getting the first always if, <laughs> I was, if i was offered, i'd put like five guys on him coming off the off the tip you know make somebody, yeah, make else, somebody beat. else beat you, yeah <laughs> but but uh yeah but to me he's been a real a real nice addition. Um, and his brother got in early, I I guess when McKay got in fall, totally put in Mikel, I think, um, kind of was confused to be there for a minute. I was like, Hey, there's, there's a 20 where's 15 type deal or maybe, no, the 20s Kamani, I guess. yeah, Yeah. 22. But, um, yeah, you know, I don't, I don't disagree. He's probably could be one of the best defensive players in the conference, but, you know, being a new guy and, maybe being that Arkansas's third or fourth scoring option statistically anyway, I don't know that he would get the individual attention you need, but I, I think he's a guy you probably have to see consistently to really appreciate him. I mean, you can look at the stats and say, wow, look at Ricky council. He's, he's scoring a lot. Or you watch Joseph pinion hit some threes or you watch Anthony black just doing everything, you know, but I think McKay's probably flies a little bit under the radar in the conference. Cause he just does a lot of things really well, um, he certainly can dunk, but you don't see him with those, you know, s- Sports Center highlight dunks like he did with Trevor Brazil or even, you know, Ricky Council getting those reverse dunks or even a guy like Devo. I just think that um is a very blue collar, workman like guy that just, just does a lot of things really well to help you win games.
3: Yeah, I think Eric Musselman has to be pleased with what he's getting out of Mackay recently. And I think anybody who watched last year's team and watched the. The game against Duke in the NCAA tournament where Arkansas lost saw that Arkansas had a lack of an elite rim protecting and an elite big man, really. And that and they coupled that with the fact that they lost their best big man in Jalen Williams. Uh, I think it was a concerted effort to to get big men in the transfer portal like they got the Mitchell twins. Uh, they even brought Trevin Brazil 610 Jalen Graham as well. Well, you lose Trevin Brazil for the season. Jalen Graham hasn't necessarily emerged as, as maybe as much as maybe some thought. Uh, and so you're kind of really relying on the Mitchell twins to fill that void. And I think Makai really has stepped into that role and asserted himself. And I think he's going to have to continue doing so. Uh, and I, I think I, he, he's just so coordinated for big guys. Like you guys mentioned, he has yeah. good, good hands, but he also has good feet. He runs the floor well, uh, and he's got good footwork.
1: Yeah, he's a terrific roller too. I think anytime he sets a ball screen on the perimeter, like he's really good at kind of setting those smoke screens where he doesn't really make contact with the guy that's defending the ball handler and he just kind of just swiftly rolls into the lane. And he's open, I feel like, a lot more often than not. Maybe I need to watch more film, but he's really impressed me there. But again, with the shot blocking, last 10 games, 1.8 per game. And I looked at CBB analytics. That puts him in the 97th percentile nationally over the last 10 games in terms of shot block shots blocked per game. It's just he's really good. I think they're gonna need, you know, more of that against, especially this weekend, as they're playing Jani Broom. He's been, you know, arguably one of the better big guys in the league to this point in the year. And he's he's kind of the he's kind of the anchor for Auburn in the front court, just the same way that Makai is. So I'm really looking forward to to that matchup and see how Makai matches up with, you know, Jalen Williams from, from Auburn, and um, whom I think, uh, Chris Moore. I think Chris Moore's been playing quite a bit too, so really, really interested in that. We'll jump into this weekend's game. Arkansas is playing, like I said, at Auburn. Tip-off is at 7.30 on the SEC network. Auburn's coming off a road loss at Georgia on Wednesday that I don't know that I saw coming. And I think it was kind of surprising to me. Just kind of expect – Auburn to figure out a way to beat Georgia on the road, but Mike White's doing a pretty good job at, at Georgia to this point. We'll see if they keep playing well, but Auburn's 11-3. and three. Their losses are to Memphis and on a neutral floor. Uh, I believe that game was played in Atlanta, um, so they've lost at USC too, and then they lost at Georgia earlier in the week. They beat Florida to open SEC play. Ken Palms has got Auburn 10th in SEC-only games in offensive efficiency and 7th in defensive efficiency through two games. I guess just how do y'all see this this going I know Auburn's got what the 26 game home win streak so it's gonna it's really really tough to win uh at Auburn but uh how do y'all see it going and y'all do y'all have any bold predictions
2: for this game I think it might be like you mentioned that LSU game kind of a rock fight um could you look at it you know Auburn's they're ranked 22nd they've got some good wins they're they're talented they're always going to be talented Bruce Pearl and but they don't necessarily have a Jabari Smith, who was, what, the third pick in the draft. And you know Kessler, the big guy they got from Carolina, he's doing really well. You know, big shot blocker guy. So the, I, I think they've taken a little, a little bit of a drop-off in talent. Um, you know, like you mentioned, Chris Moore from West Memphis, yeah. Alan Flanagan's coming off the bench now for him from Little Rock. But they have a lot of experienced guys, like um, a lot of guys from last year's team that are back, you know, not not the star players, but some some pretty good players. Yeah, you still got you know? Wendell
1: Green, Katie Johnson, right. those those guys. Yeah.
2: So I think it's a very experienced team. And um, I can't remember. Somebody asked Eric about this. You know, maybe the revenge factor for Albany. You know, Arkansas doesn't have many guys left. We remember Devo. You know, made that big dunk at the end. And, yeah, underrated
1: storyline is Wendell Green seeing Devo again.
2: Yeah, yeah. So. um you know Auburn's got a lot of veteran players, and they're at home, so I think it's going to be a real tough game for Arkansas. If you look in the SEC, I know it's real early, but the the home teams have really done a good job defending their home court. Just like Georgia beating Auburn, and I know Alabama went to Mississippi State and won, but for I like to look it up. That may be the only uh, road win. I mean, it's it's always going to be tough in the road in your conference, and in a conference like the SEC. But I think it's a real tough game for Arkansas. It'd be a great win to get on the road because. Auburn just doesn't lose at home very often but I, I think it's going to be probably a a kind of a like say a, a tough defensive game and Arkansas is going to you know have to make some plays in the half court probably and yeah. you know, limit their turnovers and, and hit their free throws they got to do a better job hitting those free throws you know on the road if you're gonna win on the road you better hit your free throws.
3: Andrew what you got? Yeah, and like Bob said, I think this is going to be a tough game for Arkansas uh, just because kind of all the factors coming into it. Uh, you've got Arkansas the higher seed uh, going away to Auburn where it's a tough place to play. You're going to play in front of a, a packed crowd, some crazy fans. And I, I know Eric Musselman dismissed the, the notion of using the – win against number one Auburn last year as kind of a motivating factor for his team. But I can guarantee you that Bruce Pearl is going to be talking about that game uh, with his team in that huddle. And they've got a lot of guys that that were there for that. And so I think that revenge factor is definitely there for Auburn. Uh, And so is coming off a loss uh, against a a maybe lesser opponent is probably also a little bit of a fueling factor, whereas Arkansas is coming off a win on a ranked opponent. And so it, it does very well likely seem that it could be, I don't want to call it a trap game because it's still Auburn's a good team and Arkansas is two good teams going at it, but uh, it does seem like maybe Auburn might have a little more to play for.
1: Yeah, I guess my bold predictions for the game. I think I'm going to stick with that Makai train. I'm, I've got. Him, I'm going to have him going for a double double. I think he's going to have a bunch of opportunities to you know block shots, rebound shots, you know, just defending you know Auburn's front front line guys. And I think, you know, if I think Arkansas can win this game if they limit Wendell Green and Katie Johnson, if they keep those guys to like 22 to 24 combined points between those two guys, I think they've got a real shot because Arkansas, you know, they're going to go in with a game plan to slow, you know, their, their top offensive guys. And I think those two guys are the head of the snake and you know if they i think eric would live with you know auburn throwing the ball on the block to janai broom and letting makai defend him and i just think you got to defend those those ancillary guys or the auxiliary guys like you can't let flanagan get loose and you can't let zep jasper hit like two or three threes you just got to limit you know kind of the the pieces that go around the the main guys but um really looking forward to it's going to be a, a really really good game going to be a weekend crowd late at night on saturday so arkansas has got to be ready for that you know they've, they've got one one sec road game under their belt so they're going to have to prepare for probably the the best road atmosphere they've they've faced to this point again arkansas is at auburn 7 30 tip on sec network on saturday bob andrew really appreciate you guys hopping on with me again to just kind of recap what's what's been going on and always appreciate you guys for, for listening and and joining in. Um, Yeah. For Bob Holt and Andrew Joseph, I'm Scotty Borderline. Appreciate you guys listening and we'll holler at you again next week.
0: The proceeding has been a production of wholehogsports.com. Look for our latest podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast store. And visit us anytime at wholehogsports.com for the latest news and commentary.